Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Daniel Bryan. I'm Nate, the designated driver. And I am Jason Black. And I'm Ralph Enough. If you've heard these voices before and they sound familiar, go all the way back to October 26, 2022. We had an episode 567, King of War Trolls. And we had Nate, Jason, Daniel, and... We had Scott, who he didn't make the pilgrimage down. If he could have brought his new house, I think then he would have gone. The nice thing is that his new house is, seems like a very nice thing for you guys. Because I see all the pictures of you guys <laughs> going over true. there and playing. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, we're quite stoked that uh, local business Pandemonium has opened its doors to us uh, semantic players. Pandemonium Games. Mm-hmm. Is that Garden City? I can't remember. Where, where is it at? Yep, that's over on uh, Middle Belt. It's been around a long time. I remember even back when I was playing Warhammer, there were a lot of people from that area. Mm-hmm. That was our home store. So that's awesome that you guys have a new home in Southeast Michigan. Yeah, I feel like Scott and Brian and a lot of the like big guys here that are really into this, they grew up at Pandemonium and they're going to die there <laughs> happily. They're, they're so stoked to have us back down there with them at this the gaming store of the area. That's awesome. What the hell have you guys been doing for the last year? That's what I want to know. Well, I've been uh, working on the uh, countercharge slow grow for my uh, my primary painting for uh, the last few months here. Uh, been working on Riftforged Orcs. Uh, currently got some Hell Strikers on the table. That uh, uh, it's going to be a nice fifty fifty mix of uh, cast and printed resin for them. Um, then uh, every now and then I've been sneaking in a uh, a unit or two for my uh, Empire of Dust or my uh, morally ambiguous elves of the desert. They're evil and loving it. Well, I mean, they'll be more evil when the Twilight Kin list comes out. Hell yeah. I think I mentioned actually on the last time I was on that I was going to, I was leaning towards halflings for my next army because I was going to do New Year, New Army. And I've actually done two armies, uh, one for Kings, one for, for uh, Firefight. I, I did GCPS for that and I did a halfling list that I took to, to Memphis uh, a couple weeks ago now and did so great i was i best halfling player there (laughs) out of me but um (laughs) the uh yeah i i've I've been doing a lot of little little uh irish dudes who like food and fighting the urge to paint other stuff while i was trying to finish that army it's hard especially when you go to a tournament and there's a lot of cool armies there you're like oh man i could do this i could do that oh those are cool models well, not to be outdone, Nate's got a great story, too. Yes, I do. Yeah. So I went to Michigan GT last year, like the year before. I saw Dan playing at the Michigan GT, and he was having such a great time. I'm like, okay, I'll play, too. And it got a, out of the uh, all of these unpainted Warhammer minis that had to be done. I got them painted up, played, and at Michigan GT, I got last place. Woohoo! And thanks to the generosity of the people there... I got a huge box of dwarves, and then Scott gave me more dwarves. So I've now painted them and dremeled all their bases off, which was a real act of love. Um, But to Jason's foodies, I've got my beer lovers that they're all set up with bars and really, really enjoying these little mini dioramas I've been building. 
Yeah, that army is gorgeous looking. Came really, yeah, it came together really well. These uh, guys, uh, when we were at the Motor City Mayhem, also voted me best painted, which felt really amazing because I am, I learned a lot painting them, particularly getting taught by these guys how to paint, and I felt like very loved. It was fantastic. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. You learned the truth that uh, multi-basing is the way. It is the way. The stories you can tell, mm-hmm. just you just can't do it any other way. I mean, back in Warhammer, we had these unit fillers, and you had to base them all individually, <laughs> and you, you did the best you could, but since everything had to be removable, it really cut down and hampered my creativity, at least. Well, let's ask you guys this, because I know you guys are some hardcore 3D printers. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about the Mantic Vault? I'll let these guys go first, since uh, I just did the uh, session with you the other night, so... I have printed a pilot for the halfling aeronauts. <laughs> um, that's no, actually, I printed um, more stuff than that. I printed the 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 dice demon guy. He's if, if you don't have the vault, he's the the big demon who's carrying the like imp, who's like the warlock for abyssals, <laughs> uh, and a die for him. And then just a lot of random stuff. There's a really nice GCPS medic uh, in there that's just not available outside of the vault yet. Uh, unless they put them on my mini factory, because I know they they just opened a store for that. Um, and he's really cool. The uh, the pilot though, he printed out beautifully. I pinned him up because I'm going to use him for my as the driver slash pilot for the Charioteer X, which is our special mini for Michigan GT. Um, I'm still working on the chariot itself, but I have a, a little guy, and he's pretty awesome. Uh, and I'm going to be printing some the the full aeronaut, the whole balloon and driver and everything for my GT list. I think so. But it's a really good, especially seeing the prices on the new on the my manufacturer. I'm like, this is a really good deal. <laughs> We're getting right. a really really steep discount, which I am cool with. If you started early, you got the early bird discount, right? And yeah, it was it's it's real. I was talking to Daniel before we started. I mean, if if you just use one model in that whole range for the month, you've kind of paid for it at that point, right? Because you really aren't paying very much. An excellent deal for it that. Uh... And I mean, at this point, um, looking at even on the uh, the My Mini Factory, an entire fleet is selling for what you'd pay for for like one box for Armada, and you can print to your heart's content at that point, which is is absolutely glorious. I think most people would agree it's good value. It'll be interesting to see how they sustain it over the time, right? Because they have a lot, like the Armada, they have a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that they can release but at some point the the well will be a little less full right or the cover will be a little less full and it'll be interesting do they pivot and start doing new stuff more new stuff right it'll just be interesting to see how they play it out still saying ophidia that's that's the way to go for it it starts here ophidia for 2024 let's go well next up let's just chat a little bit about the michigan gt that's that's coming up uh, october 6th through 8th that's where i met you guys uh it is at the lansing center in lansing michigan the capital of the great state the Great Lake State, if you will, of Michigan. I'm excited. I know Daniel, you're still on the fence, but how about the rest of you guys? Yeah, I already already bought my tickets. Uh, I'm doing the firefight tournament on Friday, which, if things continue the way they're going, will be the first time I play firefight, uh, <laughs> uh, which is it's fine. And then um, doing Kings on uh, Saturday Sunday. I should do something too. I also haven't committed yet exactly, but um, I. Uh, Whew, that was a, a commitment to get down to Memphis and back. Uh, 26-hour-ish round trip, but 
And um, I'm still processing all that barbecue. <laughs> it's on my list to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Well, I can't wait for meat, which is the place. It's it, it obviously is a noun, but it's also the pronoun of a pretty <laughs> fantastic barbecue joint that you guys have in Old Town Lansing, which is pretty good. Yeah, you recommended the Central Barbecue while we were down there, which was fantastic. But I feel like... Michigan isn't horrible for barbecue after being in Memphis. I think we have some good barbecue too. Jason, are you going to stick with the halflings or are you bringing something new? Um, no, I'm sticking with the halflings. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to run halflings for a while, get, get better at them. Um, so that I can be not just the best halfling player in the room, but maybe actually win some games, um, <laughs> which would be fun. I, uh, yeah, like they, they're, I, if they feel like my army, like I really just kind of like the way they, I just like the halflings a lot. Um, I learned a lot in the five tournament and two friendly games that I played that weekend, which at that point, that's, that's, that is like more than doubled my total games of Kings of War this year. I think those two games, because we played two games on Friday, just like hanging mm-hmm. out with people. And I think those were my fourth and fifth total games with the halflings. But the, with the, like a full size list, we did some ambush, uh, which is super fun, but like definitely plays different enough that it doesn't, you, you can't, I don't know if it's the way to, it's, it's, it's almost a different game. It is, it is. an even skirmishier version of, of a game that as, as we've kind of discussed before. Mechanically, it's the same, but the fact that you don't have the hordes, right? <laughs> yeah. You, means to... that you don't have the nerve that you normally have. Yeah. And so things that take a punch don't take quite as big of a punch, right? Yeah. They, they die quicker. <laughs> and then you're limited in terms of war engines and, and heroes and monsters. You don't always have all this inspiring you that you would like. Mm-hmm. Things are more important in that list. You don't have a lot of chaff. Yeah, it's sort of a, it, it is weirdly un, yeah, it's very unchaffy. Um, that's where I, that's where I, I mastered the, oh man, I should really put a staying stone on this, on this, this character. Cause that keeps her alive. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm never not doing that now. That's that's five points. That's just kind of set. You know, we got you guys on. We really want to dig a deep dive into your uh, your experience. But just to be clear, you haven't played. So you guys went to Michigan GT last year. Kings of Memphis was the next GT that you played in. You didn't play in any other events between that. No, you did one, right? The Motor City Mayhem, right? Yeah. Yes. The biggest little convention. Any other events that, that were in between October and you know, coming down to Memphis. Nate and I did a, we did a one day up in like Midland with, um, and Blake mm-hmm. and Kyle and a few folks. That's cool. Which was, yeah, it was super fun. That was bigger than the Motor City one, I think. <laughs> I, you know, I, it was, it was pretty much the same group just about. I, what did we have for Motor City? Cause it was very last minute. Um, yeah. We kind of got, we got Kings on the docket almost as late as you could put events in, I think. But yeah, and I mean, in that time, we did get a decent turnout. I think we had like eight, or nine people maybe maybe that might be too many but it was funny we, we did a you know just a one day uh we're talking about doing like a two-day tournament next year and the if i remember correctly the guy who runs motor city mayhem also runs a tournament in fort wayne indiana i think he was saying oh you guys should come down there and do kings and i'm like that's fairly close <laughs> for some context you guys have been playing wargaming for a while mm-hmm <laughs> But Kings of War is relatively new to you guys, right? Just the last couple of years, and you, you haven't done a lot of events. So why are you guys nuts to actually make that pilgrimage from Michigan to Memphis? Because it's it's quite the hike. Rob, you're really good at selling stuff. 
Yeah, with, with the basis <laughs> of an invite, that uh, how could how could we not? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad it worked on you guys, and we're gonna get to it. Hopefully, that you know you didn't have a bad time. So hopefully, we'll sell other people on attending events uh, in our region. What a group you have! Spoiler alert: they're all great. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun. I, I had so much fun. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was a, it's just a good group and well, good food. Like, and <laughs> growing up, I played 40k. Uh, me and my high school friends, and we'd try to do a thing like you did as the fun game on Friday. There, Rob. And ours were always a terrible mess. And the way you ran that, where you had the reinforcements coming in that like bolstered people up who were about to get knocked out, turned it from the worst to the best. It was amazing. And that wasn't even the tournament. We did have a great time on Friday. Now, we were originally going to do a doubles event. We ended up only like, I think it was six guys that were able to participate. And I get it, right? We, we sprung out on people last minute. People are coming into town when, you know, we wanted to start at noon so that we had enough time, play our games and then kind of get out of there, go have some dinner, do something. So we did. We started with doubles event, right? We did like a couple doubles games where two on two. And I thought that was a great opening salvo. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that's fun. But what we're about to do is even more fun, which was uh, basically a mega battle where it was three on three. And I love blind deployment. So what do you guys think of blind deployment? It was fun. Like. I have actually something that like, I kind of always wanted to do back in my own like 40 K days. And like, we just never put the effort in. It was high school. <laughs> and, uh, but it's like, yeah, cause um, we, we did sort of a good versus evil. Well, it was, it was a lot of neutral actually. <laughs> it's a lot of neutral. Well, Daniel chime in. what do you think of the three on three game? I really enjoyed it. That um, I thought it was the, the blend deployment was good. That, uh, it, instead of, of placing your units going, well, all right, this needs to counter this, this needs to counter this, you had to actually think about, well, I need to protect this and I need to to have a general formation in place for it. Um, so that was a good change up with it. Um, that uh, I think it, that um, there was potential there for in the future for uh, a little more... Uh, working with the uh, the guy in the middle on it that um, cuz for the most part it was it was three battles going on one against the other and whatnot maybe having well i mean Nate did have the unit of human clansmen running up the the far edge of the board that you guys kept reminding me about cuz i kept forgetting it <laughs> uh. large battles typically you end up with a lot of one on one battles right because people don't typically want to split their army up and uh, that is something that I'm not sure how we incentivize it, but I, I think it's something we need to look for because, you know, it, it is more interesting when it's not, you know, uh, ogres on EOD or, you know what I mean? Like that you've you yeah. got your army and it's spread out because realistically it shouldn't matter whose air quotes army it is. You're all one side. So if Nate wants to give Daniel on the far left flank a unit, do it. Yeah, we need to do more of a WWF tag team thing or something. Exactly, exactly. We should also mention blind deployment. When we say blind deployment, basically there's giant pieces of cardboard that completely obscure a fog of war. You can't see what they're setting up. It also was kind of nice because it helped encourage me to talk to my teammates who I met five minutes before. (laughs) Here we are. Now we are on this side. Everyone on the other side is the enemy. It's a very natural feeling. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So we did we did bring in as armies were getting because yeah, it's more of a narrative thing, right? We weren't keeping score, uh, and as armies were getting destroyed, it made sense that 
the Celestians would, would send reinforcements in. So ogres showed up on the evil side and, and some Salamander showed up on the good side. And, and then Celestians rained hell down on people, which was cool too. Giant meteors hit the ground. I particularly enjoyed that that particular mechanic for it. I thought that was a, a good like mid-game. All of a sudden the scales are tilting in both directions on it. And with a, as big of a table as we were using that uh, there was a lot of potential there for it. If you haven't played Vanguard, there's a scenario where they have a giant and the giant stands in the middle of the table and he just moves in a random pattern based on dice. <laughs> and if he hits you, he just slaughters you. You got this war band that's trying to not get killed by the SWAT. Yeah, it's great. I, I love stuff like that. Just as a note there, the, the new book that just came out for Armada has a lot of great options in there for it, for scenarios and pieces of terrain that have random effects and just random effects that can happen every every turn potentially mine's on order it should be here next week i think i just played armada for the first time in a while uh this past sunday and then i'm chomping at the bit to get rolling on it i've got a northern alliance uh fleet to, to finish painting so with all the boats that have come out in the vault it's like for those that don't already have fleets this is a perfect time oh yeah and with friends like daniel jason and nathan <laughs> I mean, shoot, it's perfect. Yeah, it's fun to print. Uh, we've got that um, some resin printers with uh, plant-based stuff and whatever going on. So we got all different things printing. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, these two have been using a uh, an organic uh, resin. That uh, I'm I'm gonna have to give that a try at some point because it sounds like it's a lot less caustic than the uh, ABS like I've been working with. <laughs> the other end Way of the less. spectrum. Yeah, it's it's much lower odor. Um, honestly, cleans better. It's it prints really well. I went from kind almost regretting buying a Mars three because it was not living up to the to the uh, oh yeah, you just plug it in and go to going oh I see. Uh, if I had just been using this resin from the get go, I would have had nothing but you know the only the, the, I haven't had any failed prints with it. I've had prints that I have subsequently broken because I'm an oaf and clumsy, but that's not the resin's fault. Would you say you're an ogre? Yeah. I have on, I have layers, printing layers. Let's just talk about how you guys are enjoying Kings of War, because I know we talked about some of the events that you went to, but you guys are also playing a lot locally. So how are you enjoying Kings of War? I'm loving it. I'm trying to... I, I really want to do... Um, I really want to do a campaign, <laughs> which that's a broken record with me. But um, one of the because like we 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 talked about pandemonium, um, and our buddy Scott, who was on the previous episode, the the past episode with us, um, he just moved to a new place, and I haven't been there yet. But he's got a huge basement. He's got like two tables set up. I think he's like, oh, I got room for like four tables. We could do tournaments, and then in that same kind of area, um, our buddy Chris, who's not a competitive gamer, but he plays. He's got all the stuff. He he's on a store. Chris Beatles. Yeah, and uh, Lord OKS, he he used to own a game store, so he's got all kinds of stuff. He's got like three copies of everything Citadel ever made for terrain, basically. And his very, very nicely, beautifully laid out. Look at all these pretty models that make me feel insecure as a painter. (laughs) Well, I don't need to print terrain anymore. I I don't need to make terrain because I don't have anywhere to put it. And uh, I'm like, all right, cool. I can just focus on gaming. But he's much more of a, a narrative player. And I'm like, yes. And he he keeps telling me about these, like he's running like a one page rules, like a narrative campaign with his buds. And I'm like, this sounds awesome. And I'm like, you know, because we played like five ambush games in one night, I think. 
<laughs> everyone's like, this is this is the way, right? And I was like, you know, we could probably combine ambush and armada and make a whole a whole campaign out of that, which. I haven't really sat down to start working on that yet, but that's on my to-do list. It's to kind of like build sort of like a, um, I don't know, like an archipelago or like a kind of a, oh no, we found a new a new piece of land that for whatever reason, no one's on yet. So let's all go fight over it. The, the trick though, is that like, I can't in good conscience put together a campaign with Armada and not have Daniel around to play in it. I think he would be sad. Daniel loves boats, but <laughs> we just got end tanks, which are the boats of the ground. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Land boat. Land boat. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, we got, we can, we, we can figure something out. Cause we got discord. We can do for all the like sort of above board, you know, campaign turn kind of stuff. Get some four X elements in there. Cause that's fun. Have you guys tried Warhol, which is the uh, online Armada simulator? No, I yeah, I think it only works in Basilians right now, though, right? Oh no, no, it's expanded out. Yeah, so they've been slowly adding more stuff, and I think the 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 way they make money is they they charge you if you want like the high res models, which cool if if you want that, but if you don't, you're willing to just play with the less detailed models. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> it, it, it's serviceable, right? It it functions. So Nate or Daniel, either one of you guys want to chime in about you know how you've been enjoying Kings of War. Oh well, I mean, for me, I'm I I paint. That's that's most of my uh, my year is painting. That uh, and right now it's it's summertime, so uh, I get to leave my uh, my cave and and wander out in search of battles. It's not a cave; it's a dragon's horde. I keep telling everybody <laughs> <laughs> when you have so much stuff that it collapses in on itself because you have so much stuff. <laughs> you have no place to put the treasure chests; they're stacked up. We can only hope that somehow when the volcano erupts, it buries Dan's house and archaeologists 10,000 years from now are like, clearly the people of Michigan live for uh, resin and painting. <laughs> Look at these idols. If anybody needs a poster child for Kickstarter, it's Dan. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's on top of it all. I was going through earlier today, uh, sending them links to the, uh, the Patreons that had uh, particularly uh, noteworthy uh, models for this month. Well, let's talk about Memphis. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious about you guys decided, all right, we're coming down to Memphis. One of the things that I think why you had a successful trip is you guys were well-organized. What are some of your tips? And I know Nate's kind of like the head guru for organization and planning. Just talk about some of the tips that made this trip in particular successful. Have two really chill guys that are traveling with you. That was a huge help. Um, they weren't too bothered when like we got there and the Airbnb was like, didn't pick up the phone. And a while later was like, Oh, sorry, I didn't realize that my phone was out of battery, but, you know, we started it out. Yeah, getting an Airbnb was great. There's a lot of beautiful property in the area. Uh, we dressed for warm weather, which was helpful. But at the same time, I had to then dress for cold weather because you guys love your AC in that uh, game store. So I Absolutely. <laughs> if you get underneath one of the vents, it's yeah, chilly. That was glorious. <laughs> um, I cannot overstate the difficulty of driving in Memphis, though because it is a bit of a noodle pasta spaghetti bowl. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic going to the Bass Pro Shop. Thanks for recommending the pyramid to us. But yeah. you cannot get to it in a straight line. <laughs> I think a lot of stuff's under construction down there as well right now. Yeah, probably like pretzel the, roads. The best tip was you telling us about the Peabody, and we got there in time for the duck parade. 
I um, won the weekend for my wife with that. So she loved, I live streamed it for her and got her some, some souvenirs. But yeah, I guess just have fun in Memphis. Um, be very careful walking outside because it is crazy hot at that time of the year. But uh, besides that, I think that um, probably uh, some other tips may be don't don't leave the freeway on the wrong exit in Nashville. It turns out that that is pretty crazy, too. Uh, we had a good time stopping for gas. The gas just got cheaper as we drove south, so that was kind of <laughs> nice. I think that uh, also bring laptops and expect to do an impromptu LAN party if people don't want to go out some night. That's a good idea. I don't know. Uh, you guys throw some tips out there. The one, one, one tip I can think of, and this is... Uh, this is going to sound a little snarky is um, just double check to make sure that the Airbnb has three bedrooms when you have three people. <laughs> they, they did. So Don't. Airbnb everyone, maybe clearly get four. <laughs> yeah, yes. I assume rooms minus one. I, I, I slept on a couch. It was fine. Yeah. Thank you, Jason, for your sacrifice. You are welcome. But I was like, it's okay. I'm, I'm having fun and, and you're saving money. Oh, so mm-hmm. much money. Yo, oh, the, so the much money. Whole, the whole trip <laughs> uh, that we split for the Airbnb costs like one night at a hotel up here in Michigan. So, oh yeah, the Airbnb yeah. price was great. I will be paying. I'm. I think for two nights, and, and I'm, as I'm going out to um, uh, Geneva, Illinois, next weekend for my friend's wedding, and to stay like Saturday night and Sunday night. Because uh, it's a Sunday wedding, is like I like the comfort in. I was like, well, this is more than I spent for what f- four nights, three nights at the Airbnb. I'm like, yes, but I gotta I gotta use that PTO up. I can only carry forty hours over the next year, so gotta, you know, use, I gotta it use it. Gotta right? use it up. Got nerd stuff. <laughs> Daniel, chime in here. What, what was the highlights sightseeing in Memphis for you? Oh, that um. The uh, we stopped at uh, Voodoo Cafe for breakfast uh, one of the days, and that was that was delicious and delightful. Mm-hmm. That was probably some of the best coffee I've ever had. I'm just happy that that you. When I said sightseeing, you went right to the restaurants. Oh yeah, <laughs> me and you are kindred spirits because that's where I'm at. I'm a I'm a total foodie. So so as soon as as uh, as I started looking at the uh, the pictures for the the food at that place, I'm like, yep, we're we're doing this. That. Uh, the uh, the voodoo doll shaped uh, beignets were were exemplary. The coffee was great. That uh, that was that was wonderful. On the way down, uh, we stopped in Edinburgh, and uh, they make a pork tenderloin sandwich there that is like larger than a dinner plate. the The bun is like a regular size bun, and it looks so teeny on it. But it was that was that was that was phenomenal. I was kind of sad that they don't uh, they don't uh, open up on Mondays because otherwise we'd have hit that up a second time on the way back. Same question to you, Jason. What were your highlights for the weekend from a sightseeing or food? A lot of it was food. Yeah, uh, we didn't we didn't get in a lot of sightseeing. Uh, we went to the Bass Pro Shop, which is neat because you know they got fish and alligators, and it's just so it's a, it's a very surreal experience. Mm-hmm. I got, some, but I did get some Black Rifle Coffee Company coffee, which. I think you can only get it at Bass Pro Shop and online, and then they make good coffee. Yeah, I would. I, I definitely really liked. Um, what was the diner we went to for breakfast on Saturday? Did you go to Arcade? Yep. Yes, Arcade. Holy crap, Arcade yeah. is so good. That that Southern French toast is a. That is <laughs> I a. Got, oof, yeah, yeah, I really got That is some kind of miracle. <laughs> I drank uh, peanut butter stout for breakfast. I loved it. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was a good stout too. That. Uh, mm-hmm. 
trying to remember who made that one. It was somebody local there. Was it Memphis Brewing or? Yeah, we have a few good, few good uh, breweries here in town. You guys mentioned the arcade. It's famous because it's in a bunch of the. Uh, it's it's a bunch of movies like The Firm with Tom Cruise is one of them where it's in the arcades a classic. It's been in a bunch of movies. Going out to uh, Meddlesome uh, Brewing uh, with with a good chunk of the players on. Oh gosh, what was Saturday, Saturday night? Probably. Saturday night, yeah. yeah. That was kind of overwhelming. You guys are like hugging and laughing and being like some of the like friendliest bunch of gamer guys I've ever seen. And I'm over here going, wow. Overload. Over, yeah, it's a Southern thing. Yeah. If you need a reason, by the way, to go to Memphis, uh, you need to go there and learn the Memphis handshake. So go do that. We can't talk about it. We have to kill no. you, right? It's one of those things. Right. Yeah, I can't say what it is. You have to exactly. go. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, you guys weren't here for a long time, so it did limit what you could do. Like, obviously, you didn't get a chance to go to Graceland or Sun Studios. I mean, there are things that are still on the docket, maybe for the future. But you got to see a, a swath of things that we have. <laughs> and obviously, food-wise, yeah, you did get to try some barbecue, which is always good. That's one thing we, we can't we cannot complain about in Memphis. The food is terrific. Well, you can't complain about that game store you have either. That place was yeah, Worm is lovely. Mike Mike Horner has done us a very good solid. It's been open three or four years now, and when he opened it, we we, we didn't really have anything. We have had Games Workshop stores, but I don't play Games Workshop stuff anymore, so they, they're of no <laughs> use to me. So the fact that Mike <laughs> opened up a store that's big enough to host, a, you know, we had twenty six people, and Magic, and forty k, and there still was room, right? There was still it's still space available for some more stuff. And uh, yeah, so it, it's good. I mean, it's, a, it's the same with you guys with Pandemonium Games. It, it's nice having a place that supports your hobby, gives you a place to play. And, you know, in the case of Mike, you know, he'll he orders, brings in Mantic products. So there's always some stuff on the shelf. But also if, you know, there's something new, we can tell him he'll bring it in. So it's nice just to have somebody that's supporting the local community. Yeah, it, he, their Mantic selection is that's that's the best Mantic selection I've seen outside of Michigan GT where the Mantic booth was <laughs> like, so in actual stores, like that's the most Mantic I've ever seen. It was glorious. That was probably only half because he, he also does not He has some on eBay as well as Daniel would, would acknowledge. Right. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I know Daniel's bought some from uh, uh, around Christmas time when he had a uh, clearance special going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't miss it. I mean, when he's, when he's ready to turn inventory, he's, he's not messing around. So so, guys, what was your expectations? You know, you're coming all the way down here for this event. You, you got a bunch of new pretty armies. You know, kind of what what did you, you know, what were your expectations and what did you guys want to get out of the event? Hanging out with you, Rob, and all your friends. I think that we completely succeeded at that. You guys were extremely welcoming. Good to hear. Same. Like I so like and from from like a from like a tournament, like a gaming standpoint, I was I was hoping to have some fun games and, and learn my army better because I didn't get a chance to really get a lot of experience with it beforehand. But like, I, I'm not a super competitive player or just a person in generally or in general. And like, but I, I really, I really like Kings of war tournaments because it's just an opportunity to just play a bunch of Kings of war. Okay. Yeah. Losing, uh, getting beat in, you know, all five games, eh, it stings a little bit, but I learned something in each of those games. And I feel like when I, you know, sit down to play my half things next time. I will ideally do better. You're better for it, right? You, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're learning. I, I mean, they say that like just winning all the time actually all it does is confirm your biases, right? Like you don't actually learn. Our biases are so not confirmed. <laughs> but if you lose, then especially if you lose a close game on something, maybe you didn't know how the rule worked, or mm-hmm. you got outsmarted in one specific thing, you go, oh, 
that's cool. I get that. Now I can take that and I can put that in my tool belt and I can use, you know, use it next time. I would uh, say probably first and foremost was uh, to get a chance to go and hang out with these guys because uh, I'm just far enough away that I can't join them for the uh, Thursday night gaming normally, but uh, that uh, any opportunity to get uh, get some time in with them is, is always a good thing. And, uh, and just getting a chance to play uh, against armies I don't normally get to see or play against. I mean, the doubles game, uh, getting to play against uh, Chase's Herd, how many players playing Kings of War can say they've played against a herd army, period? Not many. <laughs> the bar for learning and being good with an army is very high. We have a lot of shooting here in the South. <laughs> Props to Chase. He's rocking a brand new army. It looks yeah. pretty as hell. Yeah. He's a cool guy. And he was played well that weekend. We voted him best bard, too. That bard was amazing. It was a, a 3D printed like minotaur that's holding up like a, a I guess it's like a it's almost like a palaquin, right? But it's holding it up, and then there's this, his bard was on top of that. I like thought that was really, away. really cool. And if I recall correctly, I believe Chase is colorblind. Oh, me too. That's amazing. Mark Burr, who was also there with a pretty, really pretty army, he had the Elvis guy that was the Elvis bard yep. that was like whipping with the with the blue like sash, and he had the blue suede shoes. He's also colorblind, so it, it's it's impressive what folks could do. That they figure out how to work around things. Amazing stuff. Um, I'd like to do a quick segue there of being like the thing that I didn't know I was looking for though was like going down there and seeing all the incredible artwork that everyone did on their armies. That well, was let's talk that. about that. Let's just talk about the level of hobby. So your your frame of reference is Michigan GT. There's some cool armies at Michigan GT, mm-hmm. right? There were some cool armies there. What'd you see in Memphis? We had 26 armies, and we we had some real like really really pretty looking armies. <laughs> Are you talking about the genies? The genies were awesome. Oh, those were amazing. Yeah, those they were, were amazing. I'm thinking of Mark Mark Burr's because uh, that was one of my my opponents and, and uh, uh, hadn't actually gotten to play against forces of nature before. Uh, it was it was good to finally get to see how ensnares uh, pan out, uh, which they they held the line far longer than I expected them ever to. That, uh, but yeah, his he had he had some gorgeous minis with that. That uh, and and. Having a desert-themed army myself, I might be a little biased towards a uh, Arabian <laughs> Nights theme to uh, mm-hmm. to an army, but I was thinking um, the three of us—we all have food-themed armies. You know, Jason's got his halflings that love food. My dwarves love drink, and Daniel has his vampires, the other drink. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. It's still sustenance, right? I mean, still <laughs> keeps you alive. <laughs> was there any other armies there that like? Well, I mean, the herd army was amazing uh to just i played against that chase's army and the way that he did i believe they were the dryads the little kind of like doe creatures with the bows was gorgeous i think that everyone tries to do their own take on things and uh the one other guy that i played that had night stalkers who had the uh blood worms that he did in the form of maggots that was the most distressing (laughs) So was that Larry Essex? Larry, Larry, yeah. Yeah, Larry's army's really nice looking. Yeah, and a cool guy too. Yeah, he's he was my my last game, and it was like I, I enjoyed all the games, but that one was the most fun I think I had. It was just like it was just it was it was like a friendly game, and it was also one of the closer ones too. Is we actually it was a good solid like hey I feel like I'm potentially winning, <laughs> but no, I lost. Daniel, how about you? Was there any? I mean, you mentioned Mark Burr's army. Were there any other armies that were jumping out at you like? Gosh, I don't know whose it was off the top of my head. It was like, it was, maybe it was another Empire of Dust. It had like a, uh, 
kind of dark pharaoh short sort of look to it. What where they were all black or dark yes. color and had the cool. Yeah, so that yeah, was Andy they, Patton's army. It's beautiful. I think it was uh, one page rules that he had for his chariot pharaoh that uh that that thing was was sweet looking with it was the, a 3D uh, printed like casket that's on a like a sand. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's super Yeah, that cool. that was stellar. That um that that was an impressive paint job on it. He's going to like hearing that. That was his very first army he's ever painted. He's a hardcore 40k player and never painted growing, you know, while he was playing. But you know, that was kind of one of the things about Kings of War is that we're an all encompassing thing. You know, there is an expectation. Hey, paint your army. You don't have to paint it good. Just paint it. You know, get it on the table. <laughs> we do require paint at just about every event you go to. It was cool. It's cool to see Andy grow and develop. He's a great player, but he's adding a hobby element to his game, which is going to make him a. He's going to be a very formidable player. You know, in the very near future. Well, let's talk about hobby. So we obviously do a hobby score that's a little different. It's not a paint score. It's not a modeling score. So we've got a, a painting part of it or a modeling part, conversions in, the, in display boards. And then we have a theme part. Like, do you have a background story? So I don't know. How did you guys find that rubric? Or did you guys just, hey, man, this is just my army. This is what I'm bringing and not worry about it. That's what I did because I did not uh, read that in enough detail. And so I didn't catch the part about background story. And I was like, and I think it was like, I don't know a day before we left when it got mentioned on our, our discord and I was like, ah, you had time. You had a 10, 11 hour trip. You could have, uh, you could have wrote, wrote the, the great <laughs> ballad of the half lean baguette. But next year, uh, I want to have a board. I want to have a background story. It's, 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 they're going to, they're going to be the train band of like Donnybrook County or Donnybrook County. Sounds right. I, it feels good. I don't know if they have counties in the Shires. So it's not that big. How <laughs> about the Edinburgh cutlet? Ooh. Pork. You know, it is a very foodie, and I do have the big pig man, the uh, the pig deal, as I. Oh, <laughs> you got me with that one. I, I love a I love a animal shaped monstrosity. I am a fan of puns. You you got you you triggered me there, and I really like uh, the, the pig deal. It's like if you have like a big like you can't give me a list that has like a mammoth or a robot pig. And then expect me to not take the unique upgrade that gives it a name. Like you can't. It's I. There's there's probably a law in there. Like it's, I'm sorry, can't. Gotta have it. Gotta have the big deal. Gotta have the pride of the shires. It was cool to make my own um, army placard. I'm glad you suggested that. Um, I ended up 3D printing something, of course, uh, spray painting it, and then putting it together with hardware from my garage. And I felt very dwarfy. Um, <laughs> it looks really good. Yeah, I'm not sure where the background actually factored into anything. I didn't see anyone else showing their background. We should mention, you guys self-scored on the app, mm-hmm. and we just kind of went around and confirmed the scores to make sure that people were honest. I think you should make people print that. There was that one thing where, like, one guy, he had a portrait that his kids made of him as a dwarf. and It was amazing. John Blakemore's Dwarf Army. Yeah. It was, it was the craziest thing. Put that up in bold letters. I want to know this stuff. <laughs> One of the things that we need to do next time is we, we need to have like a period where everybody puts their army up for display. And we have 30, 40 minutes where we can just all go around and oogle it, right? And go, oh, look at that army. That would be, in a way, I think we had a, well, I don't know if we had a tight schedule, but we were certainly like clockwork, right? All right, do this, do this, do this. We're done. So it'd be nice to give ourselves a little bit more breathing room and be on the back end on Saturday to, to have some time. You say that, but this is the fastest playing tournament I've been at by a long shot. In fact, we were out at what time? 2.30? Yeah, I got early. We were done. Five games. We were done. I didn't we're think it was possible. It yeah, incredible. no, it's, we run a tight ship. Well, let's maybe transition. 
part of the reason why it is easy to easier to do that is we had tabletop score, right? Which is a software where we give you paper lists. You don't have to fill out sheets. You could do it all online. It checks the math. So you put your score in your opponent does, and it corroborates so that there's not a whole lot of missing. Like I only had to fix a couple scores the whole weekend, which is a good thing. And huge thanks to Daniel. He spent the week before testing it. Cause one of the, the nice thing about the software is it's completely customizable. The negative is it's completely customizable. <laughs> you know, you got to like set it up and then you got to make sure you got, you know, all the formulas in that it's working correct. Talk about the software. How did you guys find it? Was it, was there any difficulty? The really interesting thing, because that's actually the second tournament that we've played using that because we did Mayhem with that one too. Um, and it even it just in that time span, it, it seemed like the the interface had improved. The the one thing that did that I think could probably get fixed is that like when you, after you register for a tournament, once it starts, it puts it in your like past tournaments or whatever. Counterintuitive. So yeah, searching for the tournament was a pain in the butt. I had to tell people, oh, just click completed, it'll show up. Yeah, but it's not that's not intuitive for sure. Yeah, there were there were a couple times where it kind of, I mean, it, you know, it took it would take a second to update. Maybe you had to do it twice, but that's normal internet stuff. So I'm not really <laughs> too concerned about that. But it definitely was faster than like well, like at GT last year. We we were still doing paper stuff, so it was like. There was more, and there was like, oh, hold on, we got to shuffle, and it's like, it does seem like you can kind of, it, it streamlines the stream, seems to streamline the process quite a lot, which is great because there's a lot of moving parts already involved in a tournament like this. So, well, and the software does a lot of stuff that you guys don't see on the back end, which is when it's done, you hit the button, it calculates the awards the way you want it, and it just gives you a list. This award is this person. This award, this person, and it lets you do all the things like how you score it, tiebreakers, it's all in there. The only thing that I had a problem with was that there was a couple times where it it got confused and it, it did match people up a second time. So I had to manually go in there and fix some of those, but it'll get better and better and better. You know, we're going to be using it next weekend at the uh, U.S. Masters. So uh, it's it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to continue to improve. And But all in all, I can't complain. It worked. It allowed you guys to do some self-scoring for the hobby score, to fill out your, you know, after game sportsmanship, you know, scenario scoring, bonus points, that kind of thing. And at the end, pick your favorite bard and, and all of that. So, and that was all done on the app, which in the past we would have had like giving you a little sheet and then I have to manually tally that. Doing maths. You. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, if somebody didn't fill it out, I'd have to figure out, well, I wouldn't know. Right. I'm like, well, I only have 21. I only have 25 sheets. Where, who's missing? This tells you, it's like, oh, this person did not turn in the score. Or if there's a mismatch, it'll alert me and say, ah, these two guys played and their scores don't match. So then I can go over and say, Hey, what was the score? Cool. And then I can go back and fix it. Once we had the kinks worked out on it, it, it was, it ran smoothly. It did everything. Uh, we had some delays when we ran it at uh, motor city mayhem that, uh, just the servers themselves seemed to lag a little bit, but, uh, for, uh, for Memphis, there was, there was no problems at all with it that, uh, I would recommend for a TO to do a dry run like we did with it, uh, ahead of the game just to make sure everything if you especially if you have because i mean like those forms were were extremely complex that you had set up there for uh for the hobby and, and all that top tip that daniel's bringing up if you're going to use it as a to it is not like plug and play you, you got you got to put some effort in because you've got to tell it how you want to score the system what kind of data you want to collect and what to do with that data after it has it and you know, it, it takes a little while to get those forms set up, put the, the logic in of how you're going to score it. So because the goal is that 
you want the software to do all the work. We just want, you know, essentially ask the players some simple questions with some drop downs. They can fill it in and it makes things easy and, and smooth. I have been at events, didn't put in the effort on the front end, and it was disastrous. There's a lot more to it behind the scenes. And if you just show up and think it's going to, you push a button, it's just going to work. Yeah, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to have a catastrophic failure at the event. So, yeah. <laughs> to Daniel's point, you, you definitely got to test it. We tested it a few times just to go yeah. through the process and make sure all the kinks were worked out. Good on you guys for doing that. And test, test, note, test, 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 hard work. So I really appreciate it that it, it made my life so much easier that you guys ran everything so smoothly. The secret is, Nate. I don't have to do it next year. Unless I change my scoring system, it's all in the system now. It already mm, set up. So all I got to do is click the button then. and go, counter chart scoring system. And it comes over. I was wondering about that. I was hoping it had some sort of uh, copy feature for it. So that, that's, that's good news on it. Cool. Our scoring system this year was pretty different. Basically, rather than a win-lose draw, there was a, a five spread. There's a major win, minor win, draw, minor loss, major loss. And then... There was a bonus points that you could get where there's basically three objectives and you could score one, three, or six. And there's no kill points. There was no attrition. You guys have been to a few events. What did you guys think of the scoring system? Number one, was it you know easy to follow? And did you understand how to win the game? And then number two, did you miss the scoring or the attrition points? I think like for us noobs, do not encourage the competitive players to bring a killier list because we don't want to get tabled right away. <laughs> Let us play and learn. We're like, there's oh. no advantage in this system to table you because you don't get any points yeah. for that. Right. Right. Sometimes when you table somebody, it might then make it much easier. Well, it will make it easier to win the scenario. <laughs> it's like guaranteed. Those other systems are table to win though. Like if you want to be the highest scorer, you must decimate your opponent. And that feels bad. Does a little bit, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree because it does sort of incur. It does help encourage the like play to the scenario, not play to the just wailing on people because that's not really how. Not like we're necessarily trying to you know recreate specific actual strategic or tactical situations, but that's not how real wars go. You don't just. It's not just like kill all the lads. That's not. Not even in World War One, where you kind of came to that in the long run. Having to play to the scenario is good because like. Especially because the, the the halflings. I remember I was listening to a counter charge podcast um, from a while ago now about halflings, and it's like they kind of have to play the scenario because in a straight fight they don't do great because they're better organized goblins in a lot of ways. That playing the scenario it makes it more interesting. Um, we did a I did a, I played a game of Dead Zone yesterday with Brian from the Dead Zone podcast, um, and we did um, Scour, which he's like I haven't seen this in like three years, and I'm like. Sweet. And it's you got to grab items and take them back to your thing. And it was really close. It was really fun because you have to, even in that one, you don't get victory points for kills for the first three turns, which is different than normal dead zone. And like, this is really cool. We have to actually like play to the scenario, which you don't just go into a dead zone to just kill each other. That's going to happen naturally because of plot reasons for those of you who are familiar with dead zone. But, um, that really does <laughs> help encourage not dead zone. Not dead zone. And then, um, the other thing I like about not having a stats, I hate doing the math for attrition. I despise maths. No, I, their maths are fine. I don't want to have to do them. Um, you don't pull the calculator out to calculate how much you got left or how much you got killed. And yeah, I guess I'm like, oh, so I did these. I don't want to do that. I like I have to do enough of that stuff at work. If I'm not getting paid, I don't want to math. That's not why I'm here. I'm not playing this game with all these dice and percentages and maths. 
<laughs> like not having to do attrition score was really great. It was it was really easy to use. It was like, oh yeah, I got I got that. I didn't get that. You know, so it was easy. And I think it, in every game, someone was like, oh, I forgot about that one little like bonus point. And it's like, oh, oh, you got a bonus point that you forgot that you did. <laughs> and something really cool is like get side charged or whatever. Each game had three bonus points, and my philosophy is, you know, we have this bard character. One of the bonus points needs to have the bard interact in some way with the scenario, control an objective, whatever. Another one, you can call it random, but it's just something. It could be like, oh, get a troop or a regiment in your enemy's deployment zone. Just something. Uh, and then the third one is is the one that it's it's the evil streak in me, which is play the scenario incorrectly, <laughs> counter scenario, and you'll get the point. Get flanked or rear charged. <laughs> those are the you know, best. That, those kind of things, which is interesting. You got to solve that puzzle in your head. Well, how do I do that? Or you could just do badly and then get those bonus points, which is. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I hate is oh, when man. you have secondary objectives where it's just more win. And what I mean by that is, I won the scenario and I automatically get all the bonus points because I tabled you. Yeah. And it does It sort of, I mean, we're not playing to narrative necessarily because it's a tournament, but it does sort of enforce that idea that like these, these two armies are, are, you know, coming to blows, but like, they're not just there to beat each other up. They're there to do something. And, and maybe it's like, Oh, okay. Well we, you know, we didn't get, we didn't pillage these things or whatever, but we, we also, we did do this. So that's, that helps. And that's sort of like in a larger, like in a campaign mindset and a narrative mindset, that's how you keep the game interesting and not just be like, well, so-and-so won the first three games. They just, there goes the war. They can't lose now. Talk to me about the bards. What'd you guys think of that? Yes. <laughs> I, as soon as you said, oh, there's going to be bards, they can go on a 40 mil base. I was like, cool. I can go directly to my mini factory and I can buy the STL that I wanted to buy anyways, because now I have a justification. Let's talk about your model, because I'm a big fan of Tenacious D. There's an amazing designer on my mini factory called uh, Warp Miniatures. And he's got like, in, in some of his like earlier stuff, he's got, he's currently is doing pig faced orcs, which is speaks to my heart. Cause I, they're my favorite kind of orcs, right? He has a, a couple variations of like Geralt was like, there's with, with like punny names, there's a dwarf one. And I think there's a halfling Geralt from, you know, from, from the Witcher, but he's got a set called tenacious D and D and it's, it's Kyle gas and Jack black as halflings. And I was like, well, that's my bard. Absolutely. So I printed those and they're actually one of the very few prints. I good prints. I got out of one of my older printers. And I, the first thing I think they were the first thing I did for my halflings was to print those out. And I made a little sign. This is like, you know, kick a poo this way and destiny this way and stuff. And everybody who was, I was, I pointed out some people were like, is that tenacious D? And I was like, yes. And then when I pointed out, everyone's like, yes, tenacious D. And I was like, these are my people. So <laughs> it was, it was just fun. It was just, I mean, I did realize I forgot to mark the, the front, the, the leader point. Sometimes they got spun around because of those magnet on the bottom. They didn't sit super flat. And I was like, Oh crap, which way they're facing. But yeah, it's Kings of war. Everyone was kind of like, that's cool. They were, they were looking this way. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> but it was, it was super fun. It's, I really like, we had a motor city mechanic for motor city mayhem. I like this sort of like every Kings of war tournament I've been to, Every, every, all the like the larger ones I've been to so far have had some kind of unique miniature. You've got the Charioteer X at GT. You've got the Bard. You've got the Motor City Mechanic now. Um, 
I'm like, if we do, if we do one down in Metro, like, what are we going to, we need something, I guess, motor City mechanic is our guy, but, um, maybe for firefight, once there's tanks, we'll do tournaments and then we can do some arsenal democracy stuff down here in Detroit. But <laughs> Mike, it's just, it, it really helps sell the, this is a game and we're here to have fun, even if we are, you know, competing or serious sports or whatever. But <laughs> I, I love it. I look forward to that. Every time I find out about a tournament, it's like, ooh, what's the thing? What do you guys think about you know characters, bards, whatever? Admittedly, I skimped on mine a little bit. I went with a, a musician from uh, one of my my previous units, but uh, I, I there were some really really good ones there that um, uh, we mentioned earlier about uh, Mark's uh, Elvis. I mean that you can't get more Memphis than that. Um, <laughs> All you need was a pink Cadillac. Yep, that. Uh, I was a big fan of, I believe it was uh, Chris Goad had uh, the uh, death metal display. Yeah, that was awesome. He got my vote for best bard because anybody who has to break out a soldering iron to uh, to go <laughs> and wire up electronics for a light show on it. Love it. But, uh, yeah, bonus points there. <laughs> yeah. Speed bard is OP. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm already thinking about what I need to do to... I, I'll just tell you what I'm where my head's at is it won't be plus one speed next year. It'll be plus one wild charge. I think is probably what I'll. What, oh, what you're not going to have to be a fly aura. <laughs> that would be really bad. A lot of people really like the special units, the uh, the themed units that have unit strength. I think in general, probably Kings of War needs some kind of rewrite where individuals no longer, well, individuals count for missions. But I can see that. It's definitely going that way. All the TOs I talked to want to have it so that their special unit counts for missions. So I expect to see a lot more of that. What about scenarios, guys? Uh, we played stock standard, except for one that I've pulled out from a previous uh, Clash of Kings book. What did you guys think of the scenarios? Were they too difficult? Honestly, I was I was very happy to see the uh, the bounty hunting mission pop up there. But, uh, Eliminate. That was that was that was a, an entertaining. Uh, well, that was Matt just there to piss off Keith Randall. He hates it. <laughs> so, no, I, I didn't know that going in that he hated it. But, you know, it was that was a nice bonus. <laughs> I mean, it, it was interesting to have the 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 priority being the the um, to, to play off DW, shoot the big ones rule for it of, of giving you a reason to go in and hunt those, those high value targets for it. But, yeah, yeah, I thought I thought all of them were, were a um, an entertaining uh, uh array of 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 or scenarios for it yeah it's fun i like i like seeing a variety of scenarios um just because i mean there's just even if you're just using the stuff from the book there's what 12 6 20 or 12 or i think it's 12 right it's like 12 there's, different there's 12 scenarios. scenarios in the book yeah i'm pretty sure i, I still haven't played all of them. right <laughs> i see 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 a lot of the same ones kind of come up all over and over which is i mean that's fine but like and some of them are probably better written for or you're probably better for tournaments but i definitely uh um definitely like seeing that variety because it, it again it kind of makes the game more it makes the game the experience more interesting and more fun in my opinion that yeah. you can have different you know cool stuff to do yeah well it gives you different reasons to fight the battle besides yeah. just killing each other but um that's one thing that uh, I've been meaning for a long while to, to try testing out with the uh, the guys here at some point is doing um, uh, Flames of War had some really good scenarios where you had uh, reserves that would come in on the sides over the, the course of the mission and whatnot that um, that 
added a lot more more uh, thinking about how you were going to go and have units plop out onto the field when when you might want them to to appear and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, I thought that they were good for the 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 tournament, and and I always like the idea of of trying something that maybe the uh, the players aren't going to be expecting to encounter for it. Having some uh, a scenario that goes, oh, oh, this is something new. Well, and in the past, I've, I've made people play kill, which typically most tournaments don't want to do. But because I don't use kill and attrition, yeah, having one where you are trying to do that, you know, <laughs> it's like it's not that bad, right? And um, honestly, that's a, a good uh, end of the of the, the tournament one, just as a uh, players are getting kind of burned out and maybe their brains aren't firing off quite as well. It's easier. Point, it's it's not, the, the puzzle's not quite as difficult. No more thinking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what did you guys think of the timing? You know, we had two and a half hours per round. Was that? Did you guys ever feel like, oh my god, I'm running out of time, or did you think, oh, I had time to spare? No, I think I think that was 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 ample for it. That um, I, most of the the matches we still had probably a good 30, 40 minutes left on the the clocks for them. That, uh, but I mean, the players they're um, mentioned earlier, just hammering out those turns. That uh, it was it was very rapid fire. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I honestly, I, I am trying to remember. I think we only actually even used the clock on like two of my games, um, but we still had like tons. I mean, like we my, my last game with Larry, we we didn't we didn't bother with the clock, but like we were on. I think we were like even by Kings of War standards, the first two ter- few turns just flew by. Like we were on turn four, I think within like a half an hour like combined like but all admittedly there was just a, a, the first couple turns were a lot of just maneuvering stuff um but like yeah it just it it's a fast game in and of itself but then i know that game it seemed i kind of feel like everybody really knew their army and knew what they were doing so they it was easier for them to be like okay i'm doing this and this and this and you can kind of it's a good mix of uh experienced players that were there right not necessarily they're all like experts but people knew how to play their game and how to play their armies pretty much. Well, let's talk about my favorite topic. You know what I'm going to ask about. I love terrain. What do you guys think? Terrain's great. <laughs> um, I really, uh, let me think of some standout ones. Uh, the, the water or aquatic table with the boat was really cool. Um, it's like, it's like, it's like, so for, for, let me paint a word picture forever for the, for the audience. It's like, it's like a boat, you know, like a, uh, a sailing pirate ship kind of boat. Uh, it's probably not a specific kind. Maybe Dan can uh, I think it's from Firelock Games. Oh, okay. Then it probably is a specific. It probably one. is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a, a shipwright. It's in three pieces, right? And there's the boat, and then there's sort of like a, a, a land, like a sandbar that kind of goes up against the back and up at the front. So you can have it be like it's shipwrecked, but I'm fairly certain you could just ignore those and just have a boat for D and D or you Absolutely. know, uh, you Plunder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like. That's amazing. There's also kind of like a, a horrible Kraken monster that was like, nah, that was impassable terrain and stuff. Um, just really good. Like, I wanted to ask you where you, because a lot of that terrain, because um, I've seen there were some, the, some of the buildings had, you know, the tops came off and stuff. I'm like, where did you get these? Because I've seen a lot of 3D printed stuff like that. Um, yeah, there, there was a couple of tables that did have, like, did have a few. Yeah. There are a few 3D printed pieces of terrain, but not very many. Most of it's like resin or. Uh, okay. Plastic kits. Yeah, it was, it was good stuff. Was there a specific terrain piece you were you were curious about? Um, well, I guess that that boat, which you said was from Firelock. Yeah, so the boat's just a big giant piece of resin from Firelock Games, and it's actually a miscast. 
and I bought it at the Crucible GT, which was a, it's an event which is down in Orlando, and uh, the guys from Firelock were there, and they had some miscasts, and it was nice. like half price. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to use this <laughs> terrain. Love half price terrain. I love half price terrain. That's the price to pay for terrain. Um, yeah, that one really stood out. Um, there was just like, and there was just like a couple buildings that were, I guess, I guess they were probably resin because they weren't. So are you different. talking about the ones that are like one, two, and three stories tall? Yeah, they're like like houses and stuff. Yeah, so th- those are from a company that no longer exists, but it's called from Pardulin Miniatures, which is a company in Germany. And basically, they're resin pieces that you had to fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. So <laughs> each floor is a floor and four walls that you had to glue together. Uh, and so a lot of pinning and then I magnetized the roof so you could take the roofs off. But what I like about them is better than any other building I've ever, ever come across. They look like something out of medieval fantasy. It just, I don't know. They're so evocative. They just, they got like these crazy overhangs. They just look amazing. And uh, I'm a huge fan. I've, they're old. They're probably at this point, Gosh, 15 years old, maybe they're old, but I love them. I love them. I just, I love terrain to be fair. Yeah, it's, it, it is a, it is a it, train terrain really makes the game. I think um, I, I, I used to play hordes and we didn't so much in, in the group that I played with, but I know there was definitely a period where um, the, the that group was really that, that team that game was really pushing like kind of like flat terrain yeah two neoprene pieces of flat i don't 2d terrain yeah for if it's like okay it's a forest and you like move the trees out of the way i love that because i love forest trees look great but whew, are those things a pain in the arse right and i really like the um you had some palm trees that were like magnetized it fit perfectly i'm like this is the way <laughs> yeah i mean those are just like cheap palm trees from china and I just took a piece of MDF, made like an island, right? And put magnets in the island, put a magnet in the bottom of the tree, painted the trees, painted, you know, and I epoxy sculpted over the island. Oh, see, I thought those were, were, were super handy for that because they did just pop right out and um, they all snap back into place on it. But uh, yeah, those were those were, were were stellar. Well, let's throw it over to Daniel. I'm assuming you're going to talk about the Egyptian table because. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're an undead Egyptian player at heart. I mean, I got so excited by that one. I ended up during the, the course of the, the tournament asking Rob, where did you get that one? I want to pick that up. Uh, it was uh, Euromat from uh, Prague. Gamemat.eu. I've got a, a like sandy, sand dune looking desert mat right now, and it works. And it works well with the my lightly uh, colored uh, terrain or sand for uh, the uh, morally ambiguous elves. But for the uh, the actual Empire of Dust units, I've been going with a slightly darker um, basing for them, and and that lined up perfectly with them. That uh, yeah, I was I was absolutely enamored with that. Uh, it was the Sands of Time, which they now it's uh, Sands of Time Two, is the uh, the uh, version of it they're painting or selling printing now for it. I'm a big fan of their mats. I've got I've got quite a few of their mats, and you know it is a pain to get it shipped from Europe to us but i you know i really really like them they're really really cool and they have designs that you don't get from you know the frontline gaming or the table war or anybody else they're unique and i like it yeah yeah they were really good the the tables in general had a good range of of some were a little more open some were a little more 
because for once I actually was doing a, a slightly shooty list, so I had to actually think about my uh, my firing lanes and and where I should be uh, embedding uh, my uh, guardian archers for uh, doing the pew pew thing. Well, let's say that Jason, what tables did you play on, if you can remember? Okay, so I played on the water one, or I, yeah, the the beachfront one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a snow one. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was a jungle. It was all the way at the end by where the, the wall with the terrain. Was it swamp? Uh, it might have been the swamp one, yeah. Yeah, with like giant pools and like cypress um, trees and stuff. Yeah, and, and like then a, the one like right an old ac- cabin in the woods. Yeah. yeah, the one right across from that, which I, I feel like was one of the only like kind of just like traditional green fields one. Yeah, we had we had we had we did have some of those as well, like yeah. uh, like a ruined. There's a couple different a like, classic I call it ruined farm where they have like dilapidated buildings, which are um, plastic kits that came from Warlord Games. It's their ruined hamlet. And then I had oh, the, yeah. the, the buildings that we were talking about. Uh, it was more of a vibrant or a more verdant um, farm where there's a lot of like big giant fields with like lettuce and forests that were very dense. Yeah, the um, the farms came in handy during the uh, the big game on Friday where we were defending our town from the invading bad guys. Because uh, I'm like, well, of course the halfling is going to be on the side defending the food. That's absolutely. You um, you want to push back the invaders? Yeah, this is our food. Get away. <laughs> away from our food how about you daniel do you recall which tables you played on yep i started out there and i I, i've been trying to to figure out exactly what sort of strange adventure my army ended up going on over the course of of uh that weekend because they started out in the desert um against uh william peak's uh salamanders um and ended up somehow in the jungle at that point against the forces of nature um, so you played but, on the jungle table with the giant pyramid? Yes. Yep. Yeah. But, um, and from there ended up, Jason and I, I think we played in, was that? The I think that was the frosty table? one. Yeah. 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 Cause one of the one, winter like, tables. Yeah. I was like, well, now I'm not sure how they got there. Did, were they going South the whole time? And, Just and, a continued downward trend, Southward trend. But, um, for the game four against uh, Matthew Wiseman, I think we were on like a, a deserty, badlandsy sort of map, which was fitting because it was Empire of Dust versus Empire of Dust for absolutely. It. Um, and then Nate and I played on a more traditional foresty map because I remember I spent most of my uh, my Guardian Archer spent most of that game sitting in the woods just pew pewing at things. And I don't think either of you got to play on the lava table, which was in the other room. No, no, I, I saw it in there, but uh, I didn't get a, a chance to get a good look at it. Yeah, I, I am a huge nut for terrain, as you probably are now evidently aware. <laughs> what did you guys learn from the event? Obviously, you went there, you won some games, you lost some games, but you definitely picked up some tips, I assume. Well, I learned uh, not to take a, a mile hike in Memphis in 105 degree weather. That, uh, <laughs> that, that tip, yeah, yeah, but, uh, that that may be the pro tip there for it. Um, that uh, herd can hit very hard. That I uh, learned that uh, in the the first round of that uh, doubles team. Um, and just to to always keep an eye on on, uh, particularly uh, that first day. It was just little things that I ended up messing up that uh, cost me those first two games. 
uh, by just a, a hair on it. Um, so just a matter of, of keeping sharp on the rules really. And, uh, uh, making sure that, uh, you remember, uh, what you're throwing certain units at before, uh, um, uh, they go and, and get pummeled too much on it. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of some like specific lessons or that I learned or blunders that I made. And I feel like, um, remembering the this is a rectangle and not a square of a table <laughs> and kind of remembering oh right because i think i think and talk a lot about flanking and stuff like that and then it's like oh i got i got flanked also i guess from a from a verse sort of a halfling specific thing uh don't overcommit with your azure grenadiers because they are very squishy uh everything in the army is fairly squishy the um the aeronauts are e- even on a front charge they're pretty solid they hit pretty hard but they are balloons and they will deflate pretty quickly in a fight. Uh, so you don't really want to get them countercharged if you can avoid right, or it. Or get hit by two units or three units. The, yeah, for example. <laughs> awesome. So somebody that's listening to this that's like, oh, I've never been to a tournament before. I've heard they're like a bunch of salty beardy dudes that, you know, are, you know, really hard and they're going to crush me and then it's not going to be any fun. What would you say to counter that and maybe decrease their uncertainty or their nervousness about attending their first event? I would say I went to, I think Michigan GT was my first war games tournament ever. Everyone was super welcoming. And I can speak from experience as one, all the beardy guys that were in Memphis were really cool. <laughs> so everybody was really, uh, it's, I guess it probably does depend on the game. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already are interested in Kings of War. So congratulations. This is definitely a, it's, it's a very fun game. And I, I have found even in, in tournaments, people are still generally pretty friendly. I haven't had any players where I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to play that guy again. Um, I mean, I've had players. I was like, I don't want to get stomped again by him. Let me take a break. But <clears throat> Nate, he uh, he <laughs> me a lot with. He was playtesting those salamanders, and whew, I got I got tired of getting beat by them. But like the, uh, it's this, and I, I think I think Mantic as a company does a lot to sort of promote this being like a fun game that you can actually enjoy, and like even I, I'm sure there are like I I wouldn't step to masters uh <laughs> i mean but i'm sure even at masters people are still enjoying the game um i've at a couple tournaments now been we've been we've played in the same spaces as other tournaments that were happening and i don't know they didn't seem to be having as much fun um one thing i can definitely see as being kind of intimidating for people is the whole chess clock thing play some games with some chess clocks beforehand you'll realize it i i think you should realize it really does it makes you sort of focus more. I spent like, I mean, we've done some in just like friendly games just to kind of get practice. And it really cuts down on my rambling, uh, which is great because I've had games of Kings of War that take really long because there's so much, you know, shooting the shit and having fun. And, and you know, and, and that's great. But when you're on it in a tournament, you do have a, you've only got an hour and a half or whatever to play a whole game, um, which the fact that you can do that and still have a fun, enjoyable, complete game is props to mantic for that. <laughs> like they uh, i really do like their design work but yeah i think um find a if you if you're lucky enough to have a local community that's actually doing tournaments find one and that's sort of low low stakes i guess and give it a shot i mean hopefully you have fun and if you don't you're not out a huge amount of money ideally um if it's like in your hometown you don't have to drive 
13 hours or whatever. <laughs> Daniel, same question to you. Honestly, Jason covered most of it. The, the biggest thing is, is the community is stellar for Kings of War that uh, I've, I've been to probably six or seven tournaments now and met 40, 50 people at least that uh, probably close to a hundred different Kings of War players. I would say maybe one of them was, was just grading enough that I would be like, I have to play this guy again. But even then I would still play this guy again. (laughs) Um, That the, the community is, is very friendly. They're very uh, encouraging Um, that, uh, I remember uh, that uh, when when Nate first went to a uh, uh, the Michigan GT um, a couple years back, uh, Kara went and uh, stopped and, and just started telling him all about the game and uh, about uh, Jesse and the the, the ogre um, for uh, the Pizza Jesus ogre and uh, just got him interested and got him involved just by by almost by osmosis for it um but uh yeah i mean i can't say enough about about the community for this game really everybody's an ambassador and an evangelist for the game which speaks to the game right and the community yeah i think it's it it's like yeah we're we're here because we enjoy the game so we want more people to play this fun game with us that's generally a good like you don't have because i i have tried other games and i have been in other kind of communities that were not as welcoming and it's like but more players is more people to play the game with why would you be resistant to that <laughs> like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah the more people you bring into welcoming. the game the more opponents you're gonna have yeah the less so weird you're gonna you went to this event you saw some cool armies this is the question. What is your next army, Daniel? Me, I'm I'm still churning out those uh, Riftforged orcs that uh, I'm hoping that they'll be ready for next year. Um, contrary to popular belief, I do paint very slowly. That um, I can usually do maybe one or two models a day. Um, so uh, I'm hoping to have the the Riftforged done by by uh, December, and um, already planning ahead though for. Uh, for next year's slow grow, um, I've been thinking about a uh, um, forces of the abyss with a uh, ruins of uh, Tristram theme to it of uh, demons nice. overrunning a village, uh, uh, dead villagers everywhere. Um, just, Sounds uh, awesome. Go full on horror with it. Jason, I know you've got an army. You always have like two or three ideas going in your head. I, it's, it's yeah, it's it's uh it's a blessing and a curse. Um so I think based on what is currently scattered on my desk, it's going to end up being undead. Um I am I am taking some time to paint some stormcasts for the hell of it cuz I I don't plan ever playing Age of Sigmar, but I do want to play some one-page rules and I've really liked that design. And those might end up getting thrown on some like Sabo bases for for friendly kings. In which case, I'm I'm leaning towards uh, Order of the Green Lady just because they're already green and they're knight dudes. Um, but for kings, yeah, I've got and I've got some uh, I've got some EOD and some some new ogres that I would like to to build and paint. Um, the EOD might end up proxying in as sort of guest stars in uh, 
the wet undead army for a bit while I figure that out. But um, I've also been mulling over a Kingdoms of Men army, really like inspired by like Robin Hood and like the Barons Wars. And, well, they have um, a unit that literally is Robin Hood, yeah, right? The it's, it's, stuff? Yeah, the whole point is like that's my favorite formation in the entire game. And I really want to build an army around it. I got a Robin Hood. I keep mulling, you know, with wishy washing over which what ranges to use for the rest of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's probably going to be one of those. Will be my like next like main army project, leaning towards undead because I, I currently have a bunch of them. On the way uh, down to uh, to Memphis, uh, we we kept goading him that uh, he needed to do a uh, uh, Mel Brooks theme to the the Kingdoms of Men army. Do uh, Robin Hood men in tights for the? Yeah, I do uh, for that one for for Charity X. I want to do um, Rabbi Tuckman's traveling sacramental wine or. Yes, traveling sacramental wine salesman and traveling moil extraordinaire. Finding a Mel Brooks mini is going to be, or finding something to to suitably represent Mel Brooks is going to be. You may have um, to sculpt it yourself. I might, yeah. That's going to be my holy grail, I think. But <laughs> um, because it just it, it's perfect, and then and because I've got because I, I I read Ivanhoe um a couple years ago, and I was like, wow, I need. I love that book. This stuff. I is, love the movie. It's yeah, this great. Is, this is definite. Sir Walter like, Scott's a great writer. I, yeah, you know, I, this I love is some it. good Kings material right here. But there's a lot. There's a lot in that book that, that can really. It's yeah. There's a lot, and I've got some other, um, some other like kind of deep cut Robin Hood lore that I can pull from. Um, just kind of figuring out how to fit those characters into various roles. Marion probably as a wizard, I think. Absolutely, um, or probably the most the powerful thing in your army. Yeah, or or possibly it's the standard. She's just sort of like she's so inspirational that she's like. Come on, guys! Let's go kick the bad king out of um, that country that's building a wall in the hundred kingdoms or whatever it's called. That the area where all the humans are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and for, for my undead, I'm trying to figure out how to do like a kind of a moonlit. Very, I want to go very, really gothic with it and like have like oh, it's all moonlit and you know moors and gravestones and stuff probably. But right now, I'm just building silly little skeleton men. So. <laughs> Now, I know, Daniel, you're doing the Magic Army Challenge this year, right? And, Jason, have you been doing it, too? I can't remember. Uh, no, but I would like to. I, yeah, there's fun. still I've, time. I mean, yeah. you jump in. Yeah, I mean, there's still time. Because they're – well, oh, they know, they're, I know Mantic is doing a slow grow like, in-house for – For their the people, yeah. Campaign. We're doing yeah. a Mantic Army slow grow. Yeah. Um, start, what did we start? March, Daniel? Is that when we started? Yeah. Yeah, yeah which, I mean, most of your halflings you did during – the the last six months so I, I all of them really yeah i think they <laughs> might have accidentally done the the slow grow i guess what are you up to but at this point now <laughs> well we're up to i think we need we're at we're supposed to be what daniel's at like around 1500 points now yeah because it's it's 230 points a month so uh let me go calculate this out here because math is hard yeah we're, we're, we're trying to get to 2300 but we're really not prescriptive. I mean, if you want to do 60 points this month and 600 points next month, that's fine. The goal is that every month you do it. So if you've got some stuff that you want to throw in there, be my guest, you know, jump on the Facebook page and post it. And we're giving out, um, uh, we're giving out a gift card every month. And then at the end, we've got some stuff. So Daniel, my question to you though, at the end of this, if you win the grand poobah prize of a table, what table are you going to work with me to build? Oh man. Um, well, I've already got the desert. I wouldn't mind doing a, uh, a more icy one cause eventually I'll get around to painting Northern Alliance and, and whatnot. Although now that you got me thinking about it, 
the other thing that I may be wrestling with for painting for next year is I've got um, Fireforge Games did a Kickstarter for uh, Samurai. And while I'm out in Japan in, in October, I'm planning on getting lots of pictures of of, ar- of armor and weaponry and whatnot to, to paint as accurately as I can manage with it. So, so maybe a, um, a spring uh, cherry blossom theme that... Uh, go with that army that might not be a bad idea never done that that'd be fun something unique it's always good when people ask for stuff that like i wouldn't have the inclination to do it myself so you get to do new techniques and stuff yeah 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 i was i was nodding along what kind of table would you build oh geez um there's so many options um i for it, it, this might be a little on the banal side but like when i was uh, i i've been I, I, what originally originally kind of led me to Kings of War was a desire to play Oathmark because I wanted to play Rank and Flank, and that's got this cool build your own kingdom thing. And um, as I was driving across the country, I realized I was driving through like the Spokane, the Spokane Valley part of of Washington, which is like just just west of of Idaho, right? It's right in that sort of borderland area, and it's it's got this kind of it's it was. April, so it was kind. It was fairly dry. Um, it's nowhere near as heavily wooded as like the Pacific Northwest, and like you know, where Seattle and Vancouver and stuff are. And it's got kind of this like I don't know, vaguely. It's not arid, but it sort of feels like kind of dry and kind of like hilly and just like random. Just like oh hey, there's just rocks sticking out of the ground, and like they're not just like rocks on the ground. This is like just rocks sticking out, but not like we drove through a mountain kind of way. And um, that has just stuck so thoroughly in my brain that i'm like this is like i need to turn this into a setting for a a campaign or something and like but that's sort of like kind of kind of rolling hills almost like i guess kind of like craggy when you when you think of like northern england that's sort of like hilly and craggy and there could be scotsmen hiding behind any of these coming out to get you with claymores kind of thing island yeah like that kind of i think that would be kind of fun but like really work those really work that elevation change and stuff in there because which is admittedly a little harder to use for kings so maybe a little flatter but (laughs) because kings um as my i can say from experience hordes don't like uh, hills (laughs) they don't like rounding roundy kind of hills but yeah or just go hog wild on a town because i haven't seen kings of war played like in like a we're oh we're sacking a city kind of thing. Yeah. Well, maybe you should come next year because <laughs> yeah. uh, what is on my work table in the garage is a cobblestone mat, and uh, it's going to be a city. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been working on it for a little bit. You know, I I, I love terrain, and I li- like you said though. I, I also like uh, it's also cool when you do something you haven't done before. And I have not done a fantasy table that's like an old provincial town. Yeah, like a classic. Almost like beauty in my mind. I, I almost see like beauty in the beast, right? Uh, you know, yeah. But yep. maybe thinking- a little bit darker than that because that's not maybe not Disney, but a little bit darker. You know, a little bit more morbid. Like maybe the the <laughs> it's pestilence and plague. You know, yeah. There's there's been there's been wars. We gotta. I mean, we're fighting, right? Exactly. Well, guys. I, what did we miss? What do we, what, 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 what haven't we chatted about? We've been at this for a little while. Is there well, anything that we need to talk about? 
I had an idea here earlier when uh, we were discussing the uh, the tabletop score system that uh, future episode for you uh, would be a meeting of the minds, uh, a number of tournament organizers discussing what goes on behind the scenes um, in in repping the uh, the tournaments and scoring it and making sure you don't have drunken fistfights break out at the tables and, and all that sort of stuff. Like all the lurid tales of, of a tournament organizer. That would be almost, really Almost fun. like a wrestling <laughs> documentary, like Dark Side yeah. of the Ring. Exactly. This one's Dark Side of the Tournament. <laughs> That's a great topic. I don't know if you guys listened, but we just did our first of three episodes on scenario play, where, where we had a couple gentlemen come on and completely break down four scenarios. I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of thinking like, I mean, I, the, my old horse of like a narrative play. Um, and because, because Kings is built sort of, it, it very much was built ground up from like, it seems like for, to be playable in a tournament space and, and have it not take, you know, six days or whatever to do a game. Uh, but it would be interesting to see sort of like what people to go sort of the other way and see like what kind of narrative stuff people have done with Kings um like whether they've you know if they've done campaigns or just sort of like kind of like fun narrative games like we did on that friday in memphis and stuff like that to see the sort of like the less um competitive side of it because i mean i know there are people that that don't compete it's just a lot of the people that i've met playing the game have been at i guess i'm wondering jason did you not listen to episode 628 it's entirely possible where we <laughs> broke down what we were doing next year for a narrative event. We did like this really crazy brainstorm, this like blue sky. Like, what do we want from a narrative event? So if you haven't listened to that, okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to definitely listen to that because <laughs> we are going to run an event in 2024 where it doesn't, there's no scores and it's all about having fun and it'll be like what we did on Friday, but on an epic scale, have it officially tied to the storyline, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, and we're still in development phase. You know, we're still behind the scenes talking about it. But more once Masters is over, you're going to hear a lot more about it. Uh, I think we're we're all trying to just like let's just get through Masters and best of the rest, and then let's go all in. Because what I'm chomping at the bit at is I, I told the guys I said, look, we need to do a siege battle, right? Yes. But I already have <laughs> I already have a castle and all that stuff. I don't want to do that. I want to do a siege that's like an earthworks thing, where like the castle is like a forest earthen thing like some kind of like forces of nature castle that's what oh, i want that build. would be very cool yeah i just want something different i mean we could i mean i'm fine with doing siege as well a traditional castle we've got that which is fun too you know i mean anytime you pull out the ladders and the towers and all that it's, yeah i would really cool, like man. to get that stuff in there i really want to build some titans just because and you're just like 200 mil base monstrosities uh the the custom i have not played with them very much but i am excited about that opportunity to build a, you know, you're going into a siege battle or a mega battle, bring your favorite Titan, you know, and I'm also narratively linking our, you know, we want to link Armada and you know all the different game systems together, you know, ambush yes. Kings of war, possibly Vanguard. I mean, there's some opportunities there to do some really cool stuff. Now, what's interesting. One of the things that, that that's obvious to me, which is a, which is a hurdle is you've got to get players to buy off on this mm-hmm. because it's a, it, it's not like going to a tournament. You don't just grab your army and come to the event, right? You, you're building an army for this event. You're part of the story, right? Yeah. And so you got to have, you, you're, you're going to have work to do too, homework before you get to the event. <laughs> you know, what is 
the story? What's the background for your army? Yeah, so I'm excited about it. But yeah, I I think that's also great, though, to maybe have an episode, uh, Jason, about other narrative events that people have held to learn from those. Because you don't always have to be epic. Sometimes it can just be a Friday afternoon at your local game store with with four or five of your friends and you just have a big mega battle. Yeah, the uh, we played, what did we do, 1,500 points each for the... 1,500 points each, yeah. three on three. Yeah, That came out to, what, 4,500 points, which is mm-hmm. pretty huge. Like, it was fun. I was thinking, but we were talking earlier about how, like, it, it didn't f- quite feel like the armies were really integrated. Um, and something that I, that struck me was the idea of sort of pulling from... Um, when you look at a lot of, like, historical battles, it's like, especially when you have, like, oh, it's like the Middle Ages, and it's like, oh, all these different nobles showing up with their retinues and kind of stuff. And, like, nobody ever shows up at the same time. Um, or you have, um, especially what ended up being like a big factor in a lot of like Napoleonic era battles is like which parts of the army are where we need them to be or where they, you know, the enemy wants them to be and when can we attack and stuff like that. Um, but you could sort of like, there could be almost a thing where like you kind of have to, when, when you place a unit, you have to sort of determine which like quadrant it's going to be in. Like or like quadrant or third or however the, the table split up was like, oh, well, they came in from this side because they were coming from that town and we came over from this side. So like my halflings are kind of like, oh, spread out. And there's other units sort of interspersed in there uh, to kind of help like mix it up a little more, keep people moving around and burning some calories, <laughs> getting some steps in. Um, but I just like struck my mind. Yeah, I was uh, I haven't really looked into Vanguard. I do know that Vanguard um, has rules linking the scenarios in vanguard two scenarios from king so you can be like oh well we did this scenario in vanguard so that means i have this slight advantage in this game of kings which um even if we didn't use vanguard i really want to specifically steal that concept from for for my own campaign use where like you know if we do some like above you know above table like campaign turn stuff or use some espionage whatever to like spy on your neighbors you definitely need to listen to the episode. Yeah, yeah, you I definitely gotta, need to listen to this episode because there's some of that stuff in there. But <laughs> what you just said, though, struck a bell with me in that um, there was an old scenario in Warhammer days where like where the armies would show up would be random and when they would show up would be random. Right. So for like a deployment purposes, you would roll dice and it would tell you that's also maybe something where you can add that fog of war where you don't have that kind of command and control where, you know, this army is showing up here. And now, and you have, you know, and, and maybe it's, yeah, there's, there's some, there's some definitely some room to, to play with something. Fun yeah. There, the, the friction of combat, which uh, two fat lardies really love. Like a lot of their systems build that in. where like, it's something you see a lot in historical games. Where you have like, you have command points or like you have to roll to see if your unit actually does the thing you want, because you're just yelling across a battlefield. You don't have radios or whatever. You don't have that sort of like God level, I'm controlling all the things, but there's some actual mm-hmm. craziness that can happen, which is awesome. Not maybe great for tournaments, but certainly fun in, in more casual or friendly play. Yeah. That, um, flames of war had a few like that, where with the, uh, the reserve system you'd have, um, it might even be half your list that comes trickling in one, two units at a time. Um, after uh, starting with like round two or three, that uh, all of a sudden you'd have these units that were suddenly filtering in on the, the flank of your enemy and they've got to kind of pivot around. But those first couple of turns, you have half your list, they have their whole list, 
So they've got that initial advantage, but then all of a sudden they're having to deal with, with people piling in off their flank. That um, it, it definitely makes for a uh, more of a churn during the, the course of the, uh, the, the game. Well, guys, I, I appreciate you guys coming on and chatting, chatting with us about your trip down to Memphis and kind of your little bit of your background and what, you know, what you got planned for the future. It's always fun to talk to, to players and kind of get a sense of the context that they're coming from and how they're finding Kings of War and uh, what's on their radar. So thanks for you know sharing with us. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, thank Any you for having us here. Why? Well, so I guess, uh, you know, thank you for listening to Countercharge and um, keep, uh, keep loading them dice. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.